0: Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. This morning's message tells us, in essence, do not be afraid because we can be honest about our feelings, questions, doubts, laments, frustrations, and yet we can fully trust in our Father's promises because he is ultimate reality and he is very faithful. Our nation, our state, and our world are in crisis. We are dealing with a worldwide pandemic. We are facing, it again, racism displayed in a number of different ways, an inhumane treatment of people who are made in the image of God. We are dealing with people acting in destructive and violent ways. This message this morning speaks to these things, and since I am alerting you to this fact, I believe the Holy Spirit will make these connections for you, for me, and most importantly, this message is about each one of us. Change first starts in our own hearts. Don't forget Jesus' words about the speck in someone else's eye when we have a log in our own. And yet it speaks to all fathers and every one of us, so Holy Spirit, speak to us. Our Old Testament reading this morning is about the prophet Jeremiah, known as a weeping prophet, Jeremiah's ministry extended for some 40 years, approximately 625 to 585 B.C. And at the midpoint of his ministry, the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar began expanding in the Middle East, and Israel's existence was threatened. Jeremiah warned Israel about this threat, believing that he had received a warning from God. However, the people criticized him, and as we see in verse 10, Jeremiah feels caught in the middle, squeezed between a God who has insisted that he preach this difficult word of warning and a people who refuse to believe him. He is struck between an insistent God and a resistant people. This situation causes for Jeremiah a vocational crisis. In the midst of this crisis, he voices six laments from Jeremiah's chapter 11 through 20. And in chapter 20, verses 14 through 18, basically says, God, I'm doing your bidding, so what's with all this trouble I have to endure? The people are engaged in a whispering campaign against me. Why did you get me into this mess? Why didn't you tell me it would be so difficult? It would have been better had I not been born than to live through this kind of vocational hell. I am sure many of us have thought something very similar to this in our own vocations how can jeremiah talk to god like this he goes on and he goes on the word of the lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long he says in verse eight cursed be the day on which i was born Why um, his words to god were even more sharply stated when he said this why is my pain unceasing my wounds incurable refusing to be healed Truly you, God, are to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail. These laments of Jeremiah recall many of the psalms, often called psalms of lament, which comprise about half of the psalms. For example, Psalm uh, chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. "O oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart? Every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? And then in Psalm chapter 44, verse 23, Wake up, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Get up. Do not reject us forever. Or listen to Lamentations chapter 5, verse 20, an entire book of laments that were attributed to Jeremiah. Why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? So how can these biblical characters speak to God like that? But they do, easily and often. Do they not model for us an openness to speak to God in similar ways? Can we not voice to God our deepest questions and complaints? Certainly these kinds of prayers can be an important way for us to speak to God in difficult times. Given the any number of personal crises that we face, these kinds of prayers are a genuine gift. In our thinking about these laments a great deal depends upon the kind of God that we have and reflecting on the way in which people imagine God in the church and elsewhere opinions tend toward two extremes on the one hand God is an uninvolved overseer sitting on the front porch of heaven watching the world go by as one person said for me God is an absentee landlord our calls are seldom returned and nothing much gets done Or we can go to the other extreme and imagine God as an absolute emperor in total control of everything, micromanaging the world. But as one said, if God is micromanaging the world and making all things happen the way that they do, then given how unruly we all are and the world is, wouldn't we have to score God as a crashing management failure? Another way to speak of such extremes, on the one hand, God is so above and beyond this world that every prayer is a roaming cell phone call that cuts in and out. Or at the other extreme, God is a buddy-buddy, takes no critical stance, is never in our face. He never shares a discouraging world word, and skies are never cloudy kind of God. We sing only happy-clappy, everything is perfect, praise songs here. The problem is we always end up angry and resentful of God if we think that he is out there looking down passively on us or pulling levers, sending blessing or tragedy our way. And yet, this is often how we think of God, consciously or subconsciously. This is why the God that Jesus reveals is not an angry or an ambivalent or an absent creator, not a detached or a distant deity, not a God so transcendent as to be beyond reach. A God whom Jesus reveals is instead a God who is imminent right here in the pain, in the mire of life. Emmanuel, God with us. The God who emptied himself to take on all human experience. A God who took on our suffering, pain, and sin. A God who sits with us in our messes, in our broken hearts, trouble, suffering, grief, questions, doubts, laments, and frustrations. Well, Jeremiah and many other biblical characters clearly sing songs of lament. Sometimes God's will, ways, and purposes are not done. And that is why Jesus taught us to pray for His will to be done in our life right now on earth as it is in heaven. And when it, is, it, is, it, when it isn't done, God's heart is the first to break, and God's tears are the first to flow. When thinking about prayer and God, or any other important matter of faith, one of the most important things to keep in mind is that God has established a genuine relationship with us. Think for a minute about a person with whom you are closely related. If that relationship is to be genuine, what is necessary for it to be so? Certainly a key factor would be a healthy communication, being able to speak openly and honestly with each other, God gifts us with prayer, including speaking our mind to God about whatever we might be going through in life. We might as well speak what we are feeling to God because he already knows what we are thinking and what we're feeling anyway. Laments are a God-given gift that allows us to speak what we feel, to face it head on, and then in that process, we are reminded of God's faithfulness in the midst of it all. Laments create a journey toward healing. So what's the alternative? Bottling it up inside? Well, we've done that for years, haven't we? Some of us have tried that. It doesn't work too well. Turning inward. Crying a victim mentality and a spirit of rejection. Taking it out on others. The list goes on and on. In our psalm this morning, there are a number of cries for help, but there seems to be no answer. The psalmist's urgent cry comes to sharp expression in verse 17. Do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. The psalm consists of the typical elements of a lament, a prayer in time of trouble. We hear the desperate cries for help. And here is a series of 911 calls to God. You might be saying, why are you preaching on this on Father's Day? Well, this is what the texts are this morning. Uh (laughs) Psalm 69, verses 1 through 3, we hear, Save me, O God. The psalmist is about to drown, seeking in a pit of quicksand, so tired and worn out that he can no longer see straight. Verse 4 says that the one praying has been falsely accused of stealing. Verse 5, the psalmist trusts that God knows what he has done or not done. Verse 6 sounds an important note. The one praying is concerned about the others in the community. And then we hear, set me free, Lord. Like a dying person desperately hitting 911, we hear, answer me rescue me, do not hide your face, set me free. As we turn to our gospel reading today, Jesus' mission story is to get out the volunteers' campaign like no other. The disciples are granted remarkable powers to heal and to cast out demons, to cleanse lepers, even to raise the dead. They are to undertake their mission in complete vulnerability and dependence upon God even knowing that as they go, they are sheep in the midst of wolves. They face arrests and beatings, opposition from every family members, and um, hatred and persecution. So why does Jesus highlight the horrors that await the disciples? It doesn't seem too encouraging, does it? But naming out loud the suffering to be, to be endured in its causes is the first step in free, being free from the grip of fear. In the latter half of the narrative, where our focus lies, Jesus continues to describe worst-case scenarios, together with statements of reassurance and repeated calls to resist fear. Do not fear is the dominant reoccurring message in chapter 10. But first, Jesus offers a warning Whatever fate awaits teachers or masters also awaits their disciples and their slaves. If Israel's leaders called Jesus the prince of demons, the disciples should be ready for a similar response. And even when we're called a prince of demons, have no fear of them. The disciples' simplicity, vulnerability, and dependence on God demonstrate the reality of God's presence and character. Even though doing so will bring suffering, the gospel must now be proclaimed in the light and from the housetops. For the gospel proclaimed and lived is the most powerful tool at the disciples' disposal against the powers of this world. What are the answer in the world's crisis? To embody and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, not partisan politics. May we not lose our prophetic voice to speak out and to forth tell the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. This is the only way our world will will heal from its division and it starts with our own hearts. God knows and cares even for the sparrows. God knows even the hairs or the lack of hairs on our heads better than we do. The sayings in our gospel reading again encourage disciples to remain firm in their commitment to Jesus and their mission, even when that mission generates unavoidable conflicts and among those who are the closest to us. Do not be afraid. Be honest about our feelings, questions, frustrations, and doubts, and fully trust our Father's promise because He is ultimate reality, and he is faithful. Lament and be thankful because of his faithfulness and give him praise because of who he is. Jesus says in John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.